Scattered throughout this season, God has been providing conversations that hit at ways that we can engage the process of healing. Whether it's silence with God or supportive community, there are a number of things that we can do with what we have right around us. But what if God is inviting us to engage a resource that takes a little more effort? Today's episode has an extra level of energy because we've got returning guest T. Roy, my friend Troy. Troy is the host of Beauty and Beard podcast and has also been a friend for over a decade. And God brought him to mind after I finished recording Peyton's episode because Peyton talked about the value of counseling. And I felt this nudge in my head of God saying, you know who else talked about counseling? T. Roy. So I reached out and he was more than happy because we had had a standing invitation for us to do a part two to his conversation about transparency a year ago. And what better conversation to have than to find out what his transparency led to. There are many thoughts on counseling. There are many stigmas. There are many different personal experiences. And this episode isn't to push you in a specific direction, but rather to explore another resource that God has made available to us. You're listening to episode 74 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you for friendships. I thank you for my friendship with Troy. And, and especially because Troy and I barely ever see each other and barely talk to each other, yet every time that we do connect, it's always a good time. And so I just thank you for how you work in that kind of a way, that distance and proximity aren't necessities for connection. And so mm. we want to lift up this conversation. There's a lot we could talk about, but I have a sense that you are guiding this conversation in a specific way. And it may be for this conversation. It may be for someone who listens to it. And so we just want to release it all to you. And we just want to pray that you would guide our words, guide our thoughts. Above all, we just want you to be glorified and honored. So we give it to you. We thank you for it. And we look forward to seeing how you work. I ask pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, before we get started, you talk about we uh, get a chance to talk and you're right. But infamously, you are forever ingrained in one of my favorite verses that I've ever written ever. And that is my me and God go together like verse part two. That is by far a, a verse that I continuously run through my mind because it continues to challenge me in a sense of trying to find my identity and trying to find like what the Lord wants me to do. So I'm always remembered that Paul's <laughs> rocking out revamp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> rocking the revamp. <laughs> yep. No, I still remember the first moment hearing it and then having to rewind it because I was like, did that just say what I thought it said? It did. Paul's rocking out rebound. Well, and to that end, uh, you know, you are unique on this podcast because you're you're now a two-timer. You know what I mean? Like, not, Am I not, the only one that's been on here twice? No. So there's a guy oh, named Josh who has also been twice. Mm-hmm. So, but there's hope that you could clinch that third spot. I don't know if anybody else has been on twice. The... the mm episode i just released with marty williams technically she was on twice but the first time was a voicemail she left that was five minutes so it wasn't live so you know we can get into the weeds but you're a two-timer and that means something it's special and you know like i pray like 
what I love about whatever this conversation is going to be, I feel good about it because <laughs> I know you mm-hmm. and I know it's going to be a good conversation. But the reason that I have you on beyond everything I just named is really because of a prompting from God, because as I was recording an episode with Peyton, she was sharing about her experience with counseling. And it wasn't directly in that moment, but at some point later in the day, God brought to my mind, you know, who else talked about counseling? Mm-hmm. Kida Roy. Yeah. And on your podcast, Beauty and Beard, mm-hmm. there's the plug. A year ago, not to the day, we're a little bit off, but a year ago, you released an episode where you kind of surprised your wife, Shaka, by letting <laughs> her know about Kyle. You actually did two things and you were kind of cruel about it because you're like, you got all serious and you're like, this first one, like, is so hard for me. I just, I just need to, I just need to announce something to everyone. And, and it's hard for me because I have to let go of something that means a lot to me, but I'm getting an iPhone. Shaka <laughs> like, had this laugh of relief because she did not know what you were about to drop on her. And then so you use that to lead into, oh, and also I'm going to do counseling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so Uh, you've got a whole episode pushing into that, but here, before we get into that, some people haven't heard your first episode. So they're like, I don't know who Troy is. And so here's what we're going to (laughs) do. So I've been doing this thing where when I want somebody to introduce themselves, I'm trying to be creative about how they do it but I'm trying to challenge myself and make it like a little mini improv game. So I don't plan them in advance. Mm-hmm. So here's what yours is going to be. Okay. You have to let somebody know who you are, but the only way that you can communicate it is you have a little piece of paper, a pen okay. and a carrier pigeon. And you've got to write a message about who you are, tie it to the carrier pigeon and send it away. What does your carrier pigeon message say? Oh, that's easy. It is it, easy. That is so easy. On that note, I would write, it's your boy T. Roy. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I would say. Because I need to let you know that one, my name, Troy, or it might say your boy, it's your boy Troy. Yeah. But also I need to announce myself because I am somebody special. The Lord created me. So I recognize, duly recognize that. And it makes it communicate to the person that I'm talking to that, hey. I am a relative to you, or I am in connection with you. I am someone that you can call on to be your friend. As we know, the phrase your boy is in reference to saying like, it's your friend. So that would be the way that I would announce myself. That would be the way that I would acknowledge that I'm someone special and that I am in communication and connection with you. So it's your boy, Troy. You managed to get all that into four words. I'm, I gotta, I gotta applaud you. So good. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So you did a whole episode on True. counseling. And, and so I just want to jump right into it. You don't do a whole episode on something unless it's big or it's meaningful or it was a hard thing. So man, walk me through the story about you and counseling. Yeah. I have been dibbling and dabbling with the idea of me going into counseling for a while, mainly because I'm not sure how you are or how the listeners do, but I oftentimes have a lot of conversations in my head. It's like in my brain, there's a large conference room table and there's different versions of Troy that sit around the table. You got fearful Troy, you got faithful Troy, you got different types of Troy, joyful, 
All so you got stuff. like an inside out thing going on. Yeah. Sleepy, dopey, <laughs> angry. All of them are there. And when they're at this counseling table, they often have conversations and it's biased. It's biased towards me as an individual. And so somebody at the counseling table eventually was like, hey, let's bring in an outside voice. And it was one of which that it's not just my wife's voice, because I even told her before I went to counseling and even in the episode I mentioned, hey, I value your and I wanted to make sure that she realizes I value your input. I value your word towards me. However, I know that you care so much for me that you're going to you may potentially say something to me because you love me. Not because you're being objective, but because you love me. And I'm not saying my wife can't be uh, objective, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I kind of want to hear outside voice. She's like, I completely understand. I even went to my best friend and I told him, I was like, look, man, you know, I come and tell you everything. But we also know that when one of us is feeling something, we feel what the other person is feeling and we are automatically on that other person's side subjectively you know what i'm saying so <laughs> we're we're biased in, in a lot of ways and so i was like i want to bounce some of my ideas off of a person who doesn't know me who is not a friend i actually pay them mm-hmm. and i sit down and i have a conversation and i actually told my counselor in the first session hey i am coming here for you to tell me about myself and be objective i do not want you to be my friend in a sense of, I want you to be on my side. I want you to help me dissect some of the things that I go through in my thought pattern and my, in my process. So that's where it originally started as far as like, Hey, I want to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. Now what triggered it was different. I had had an incident at work back in 2017 in which a coworker of mine who was very subordinate to me, and he thought that he could do that because I was a staff member. He's a faculty member. And if anyone works in higher education, you you know that faculty members are the people who teach. Staff members are the people who do administration. And oftentimes there's a battle in between the two because one thinks that the other is greater than the other. Mm. Oftentimes faculty members think that they're greater than staff members because faculty members have advanced degrees such as PhDs, MDs, DOs, uh, doctorate degrees. But I was leading a committee in which he was supposed to be like one of the people working up under me. Mm -hmm. And it turned out (laughs) he was pulling committee members to the side and having like sub meetings with them, Mm -hmm. trying to create new plans for things that we were trying to do. And I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like he was trying to usurp authority. Hmm. And so I addressed him directly. I said, hey man, let's not do this. He did it again. And so I let him know that I didn't appreciate his actions and so on and so forth like that. Time went by back in 2020, I was appointed to lead another committee, right? And so I would be leading two committees this year in the second committee, they restructured my new members. And I was like, Hey, why is he one of my members of my team? I was like, I did not give consent to having him on my team. They were like, well, just keep him on there. We need him on there. And I was like, I will not have him as a committee member. So my Dean then tells me, well, just keep him on there. And I said, thank you so much for your response. I'm deciding to step down from this committee because I refuse to lead a committee that he's on. 
My dean then comes back. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He didn't know the history. This happened back in 2017 before he even came. He comes back to me. He says, hey, we talked to him. We actually removed him from the committee. Would you be willing to come back on it? And I said, nah, I'm straight. However, that whole instance right there triggered everything that happened back in 2017, mm-hmm. in which this is what bothered me so much. What bothered me so much back in 2017 was the guy that I was working with is supposedly a Christian. I, I, and I'd use quotation air marks because I believe that a lot of people are Christians in their minds, mm-hmm. but that Christianity hasn't trickled down to their hearts. Mm-hmm. They, they know they know the word, but they don't know how to actually act out the word and interact with people who are also God's people or not God's people. You know what I'm saying? They don't just know how to interact. Yeah. What bothered me so badly about it was this gentleman who's supposed to be a Christian was acting very unchristianly. And I was like, what did I do to provoke you to do something like this? And I struggled so hard. And another question I battled with was, am I crazy to Mm. see, am I the only one that sees him doing these things? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think some people supported me, but I felt like I, I, I guess the support that I was actually wanting to have was somebody to immediately come in and be like, hey, stop this nonsense. You, Mr. XYZ, you need to leave Troy alone. Like I was, I wanted like a father figure to come in and just swoop up and, you know, separate the kids and say, hey, Troy, you're right. But that didn't happen. I had to wallow in this area of rage, anger, and confusion. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it never really got addressed completely. Obviously, it didn't because I got triggered back in 2020, four years later. And then that's where I was. Mm. Man, it, it, there's a moment, I don't know if you saw, I reacted in a specific way, and it's because I, I hear you, and even more, it was when you said, like, I started to wonder if I was crazy. Yeah. Because I kid you not, like, that came up in an episode, a couple episodes back, where the person shared that they'd experienced that, and I'm like, yeah, I experienced that too. And it's like a real thing. If you've never experienced before, you don't know, like, that, that messes with you, because you are legitimately wondering, like, am I crazy? Right. Like, am, it's not like a hyperbolic thing. It's like, is something wrong with me because no one else sees it? So like, I, I hear you and I resonate on that. And then the, the triggering happening years later, like all this stuff, I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm feeling it. Let me say this real quick. The word trigger to me was a dirty word at that time mm. because the word trigger was used in political areas a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. I try to avoid political areas as much as I can. I know the great C.S. Lewis said that one thing Christians should do is they should infiltrate the world around us so that we can have influence on everywhere. And I appreciate C.S. Lewis for that. Government is not a place where I decide to do that. <laughs> so, and, you know, the, the phrase trigger was used kind of like a dirty word almost. Yeah. And so I didn't want to use it. I wasn't aware of it. And so when someone said, oh, you were triggered, I kind of was like, no, nah, I wasn't triggered. It's just like it brought up old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Troy, that's what triggered me. <laughs> oh, oh, OK. And so I had to come to grips with terminology that actually addressed how I felt, because even hearing that word triggered, like if this is what it means to be triggered, then this must not be real. Mm-hmm. because triggered uh, in a lot of senses was like man, they, these people are just triggered. They don't really feel they're just overreacting. And so I thought I was overreacting at the same time too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like uh, there's this assumption that it's a hypersensitivity and you just need to be less sensitive. Right. And buck up and do what you got to do. But what you're hitting at, I think, is important. And this is something I know you touch on in your episode is there is this awareness, either directly or indirectly, that there is a wound or wounds that need to be healed. But then there are these barriers to it. So, you know, the stigma around the word trigger and then just other stigmas in general. So tell me about those stigmas. What stigmas were keeping you from like taking that eventual step that you did towards counseling? Yeah. So one of the ones is in, I I don't want to speak for all of African-Americans in the black community, but I'll definitely speak for my family. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can attest to hearing something like this to talk about a counselor or a psychiatrist, psychologist, that basically meant that when you hear that, you think, oh, that's a place of healing. You don't think of it like a hospital. You think about it as, oh, you crazy. They're going to put you up in a crazy house and something ain't right. You're not right in the head. I remember so many times, you know, talking with my family, I'm like, hey, y'all need to consider counseling. And they'll immediately go to, I don't need counseling. All I need is Jesus. And Jesus is great. (laughs) And I believe that Jesus created human beings to have the gift of just listening and giving you feedback. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's what accountability is. That's the true definition of accountability, being able to witness what you're going through and give you honest feedback. And I had to overcome that stigma. Also the stigma of being a man that goes to counseling for the listeners, please don't think this of me. I'm a, I'm human and I'm flawed. Okay. So let me just say that right now. I'm probably going to say something that's going to trigger somebody who's listening. All right. <laughs> but in the moment of thinking about going to counseling is like, man, women go to counseling. Men don't go to counseling. We're supposed to tuck away our feelings mm-hmm. under the rug and just keep on going. I remember growing up, you know what I'm saying? I, oh, I was in ninth grade, dude by the name of, let's say his name is Andre. Andre, me and him were going back and forth on the back of the bus. I think he's a junior, I'm a freshman. We was kind of like play fighting a little bit and he punched me in my face, like for real, for real. Mm. And, I, and I cried. And then my older cousin, who's a senior, came to me and was like, hey man, I heard you was crying on the bus. You better not be crying next time. You better fight your way back. And since then, I was like, all right, I guess I got to fight now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I to emote as a man seemed so taboo. Mm-hmm. And so to be dealing with these emotions and these feelings and trying to bury them, but they keep coming out of the closet. They keep coming from the grave alive and haunting me. I had no other choice. Yeah. And so that's when I bit the bullet. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot of things there, right? Like there's the family element, being a male. And then you also noted that there is a stigma within the church, mm-hmm. the, the notion of all I need is Jesus. And so you get all mm-hmm. of this and you attach to it. There's this internal fear in most people that I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be seen as less than like we don't want to be seen as messed up. And so anything that could be perceived as that. Mm-hmm. Going to a professional about an issue can trigger that (laughs) that thought. Like we just have all these things avoiding it. The church piece. I know there are people that don't think that counselors can be Christian because there's too much focus on the mind and on the science of the mind. And where's the focus on the faith? And so there there are so many stigmas. You know, 
I might misquote this scripture. So if I do definitely edit this out because I don't want to seem to misquote the most, one of the most famous scriptures in the, in the Bible, you hear something on the head. You were like, you know, it's a mind thing. Why isn't it in faith? But one of the things that Jesus told the disciples is to love the Lord, that guy with your heart and your mind, your mind. Isn't that crazy? And so he didn't say love the Lord with your faith. He didn't say that. He said, love the Lord with your mind. And so when the mind is being attacked, there needs to be something to come alongside of you to help you fight through that attack. But I just wanted to say that real quick. So knowing that there are these significant barriers, Mm -hmm. what gave you the capacity to break past those barriers to actually go to counseling? Yeah, I couldn't shake it. I could not shake it. There were days on days that this kept playing in my mind and remind you, I removed myself from the situation. Mm. Like I stepped down from the council so that no one can even say to me, hey, Troy, you still need to stay on and interact with this individual. The very thought of being in the room with him and working with him and having to talk with him haunted me so bad that even when I wasn't doing it, it still haunted me. Mm-hmm. It got to the point. It was like, man, this is the tipping point. Cause I had already had the concept before of like, Hey, I need to go to counseling. I need to consider counseling. And then there I needed to talk about it too. When this happened, it made me think about, Hey, I, I really need to go. I'm glad that I did end up going because I ended up unpacking a lot of stuff that may have triggered me from even like from my childhood, mm. to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to, I won't say this. I won't say that if I went to counseling earlier that I wouldn't have this issue or anything like that. But what I will say is if I would have went to counseling a long time ago, I probably could have been a little bit more healthier when I reached the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like if a basketball player or athlete of, of some sort has an injury from high school that they never addressed, they just kept playing through it. They can still have some great seasons and playing professionally, maybe even playing in college, but their time will be limited versus if they took that one season out of maybe their uh, high school year and addressed that injury, got the full health, their career could have been expanded such a long time. And that's my desire. My desire is to uh, love my wife well, to serve the Lord well, to be a great friend to my friends, to be a good neighbor. And how can I do this when my brain is so cloudy and foggy because of an individual that I'm supposed to be calling my brother is going on. And so for me, one of the things is I had to realize is that if I wanted to be a great servant of the Lord, if I wanted to serve my wife well and be a good friend and to be a good neighbor, I needed to address this matter that was a roadblock for me because I felt numb. I felt numb. And also, too, let me say this too, Paul. I wanted to get to a point of where I can forgive him. Mm. Now, it's three things I hate to do that the Bible tells me to do. Okay. <laughs> One of them I don't have to worry about anymore because I'm married. So I don't have to worry about fornicating. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is confessing, right? Uh-huh. No, confessing is number one. But number two, the number two thing I hate to do the most is to forgive people who have done me wrong. Mm -hmm. However, the scriptures make it very clear 
that forgiveness has to be a part of the Christian life, because how can you say that you have received forgiveness and yet you can't forgive your brother? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that I was deeply seeking. I was seeking a way to be able to find forgiveness for him. And it's not a matter of, you know how when, when kids fight and you got two got kids, yeah. when they fight, you make them stand in front of each other and you like, say you sorry, sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could be able to do that because deep down inside, I knew he was not sorry. Right. As a matter of fact, this is how much I, uh, I knew he wasn't sorry. We had a meeting back in 2017 to try to put a cherry on top of this whole thing to like, you know, get it all moved by. In the meeting, he said two things. He was like, hey, I'm sorry that what I did made you feel that way. He didn't take ownership, mm. right? But even prior to that, the mediator was like, hey, if, you know, if a situation like this came up again, would you do this again? He was like, yes, I would do this again. Like he would, he would literally go through the process that he did to hurt me again. So that's how I knew for him he was not repentive of himself. And I don't know why, but for some strange reason, I can't forgive someone who hasn't repented against me first. It's feel like I'm not going to say sorry to you. Say you sorry first. Mm -hmm. you say you sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry. Oh, and well, I'm not going to say it then either. But the Lord in this situation wanted me to be the bigger man. Mm -hmm. Even though this person is older than me, even though he has more degrees than me, even though he may have a better reputation professionally than me because he's, a, uh, he's written research and all this type of stuff. He wanted me to humble myself and forgive this man. And at that point I couldn't. And so I needed somebody to help me process that. Yeah. So let me ask this, you know, as you're talking, it's making me think there is clearly ways that God worked through this. Mm -hmm. But the question I want to ask is if there are people who believe that counseling is something outside of the spiritual, something that people are doing when they're not seeking God well enough, or they're trying to seek a solution outside of God, mm -hmm. how did you actually experience God in the midst of this? How did you grow closer to God through the act of counseling? Really good point. One of the things that made me come to conclusion that this was very helpful spiritually was once again, I was trying to find an objective opinion. Hmm. One of the things in my community of believers, the people that I hang out with is accountability is what kept us alive. I'm not even kidding. Like if we did not hold each other accountable, any of us could have easily slipped. The Bible says we could have been easily led away by our own pleasures, you know what I'm saying? Our own desires. And so one thing that helped me come to conclusion that this is a godly thing is because I was actually seeking accountability and I was seeking godly wisdom, like Proverbs tells us to do. Now, some people may say, well, who's to say that the counselor is wise or whatever the case may be? Well, they got credentials. You know, they went to school for something. And even if they were a bad uh, counselor, I, I took the first step, though, to say I would like to hear somebody, their own thoughts. And if they were bad, I would pray that the Lord would give me that unction to be like, hey, you need to go to someone else because this person is a quack. They're not reliable or things of that nature. I think God honored the initial step for me to step into this realm and seek some type of accountability of someone who could point me in a direction where I need to go. And once again, I know somebody will say, well, I got friends to do that. And that's great. That's good. That's cool. And if that works for you, that works for you. However, for me, 
I needed to go another step because I know the people around me love me so much that there was a possibility that they're going to feed into me the things that I wanted to hear versus the things I needed to hear. And who is better to tell you about yourself than a stranger that once your session is over, they go about their life and they don't even know you no more. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that was one of the ways that I reconciled the idea of this could potentially be a worship to the Lord, quite honestly. Hmm. That's good. You make a good point too. And you said it earlier that, you know, you love your wife and you love talking to your wife. And I know that's true because I've listened to episodes of podcasts. that's just that you and your wife <laughs> loving each other and talking to each other and processing sometimes in live time, like right. first time hearing each other saying something. And that's one thing I do know about you is that the, you do have some strong relationships. And I appreciate what you had said that you're not trying to tell someone, no, you have to go to counseling. You're like, Just be introspective and know yourself and know what you need and and be willing to say that possibly you could need more than what you have. That's all you're saying. You're not trying to force. And I appreciate that Yeah. um, because I think that's what scares people sometimes. But there are people who will say that my friends are enough and they might not actually be. So, right. It's like it Mm -hmm. it is healthy Mm -hmm. introspection. But, you know, you made a really good point about how even with your healthy relationship with your wife and with friends, you know, you still had that moment in 2017 where you felt crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much they were involved in the mix of that, but sometimes there are situations where the people that you may usually connect with and be held accountable by and, and pour into and pour out of and all that, sometimes they may be very close to the situation as well. And it may impact their ability to be, as you've mentioned several times, objective. That was something I experienced. And part of why I felt crazy is because the people that were wounding me were also friends, neighbors, yeah. co-workers, fellow church members, and all mm-hmm. people that I needed to support me were also friends with this individual. And, Most and so something that I heard a lot is like, I just, I just can't see him being like that. I can't, I can't see him doing like, or sometimes actually more often they didn't say that, but that's what they thought <laughs> is, Yeah, I hear what Paul's saying, but I just don't see how that could be true because that's not what I'm seeing from this person. And so having an unconnected, unbiased voice presence can actually give you the capacity to find a level of validation that you're kind of desiring, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's actually another episode that's coming out is about our desire for validation. And I think it's important to name that ultimately the deepest validation that we're looking for can only come from God. Yeah. But there is a healing that God can do through bringing some validation from the community around us. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to name that, that like, I hear you (laughs) what you're saying. And I think that's a a really legitimate point is there is value to objective unbiased voices. Most definitely, man. You know, my wife, you hit the nail right on the head, actually, she was also kind of involved in the whole situation because she worked at the same place of employment. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? She was in close proximity to everything. And so she had her own opinion about said coworker. And so I was like, you know what, babe, you are definitely supporting me. (laughs) Maybe a little bit too much. And so uh, (laughs) let me, (laughs) we oftentimes say that the, that the men is supposed to be the protector and the provider my wife be protecting me on a lot of occasions. Okay. (laughs) And she wanted to protect me in this whole situation. 
And I, you know, as, as much as I may have a problem with somebody, I didn't want to stir up in my wife for her to beef with this individual, right. just like me, right. because I know for myself, if I'm struggling to deal with it, then I know that she could potentially struggle with dealing with it too. Yeah. So why not dump out all of my feelings on some complete stranger mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. who has been trained in this area to hear people tell their story? Yeah. And I appreciate you saying what you said too, because I got to be fair that there were also people in my circle that, nope, I'm ready. Let's go. Come on. I got you. Right. Like I'm ready to fight. <laughs> and that is sometimes not the healthiest response. It's not even the response that would bring the healing. Like going to war isn't always the solution. And so, I mean, it's tapping into some really unique in that we feel like our spiritual family, our core networks have to be able to be sufficient. Mm-hmm. And if we're honest, we also feel like we have to be sufficient. Mm-hmm. So you get both of those things. Like we don't want to reach outside because then that indicates, as we said earlier, a sign of weakness or a sign of brokenness. But I mean, if we're really Christians, we already kind of have to know that that's the reality because that's what scripture tells us yeah. is all have yeah. sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The apostle Paul says, I don't do what I want to do. I keep doing what I hate or not Mm -hmm. that I've achieved perfection. Mm -hmm. There are so many examples of people who had great faith that also were kind of messed up (laughs) or very messed up. And as long as we keep trying to go through life, trying to put on the front that we're holding ourselves together, trying to convince ourselves that we're not crazy, Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep digging ourselves deeper and deeper into a hole that at some point, we're not going to be able to, to handle the weight of it on our own. Sure. What would you say to someone then who, let's say they're in that situation. They had some work trauma, family trauma, any kind of trauma. Maybe they thought they healed from it or got themselves out of it. But then something happens years later that like brings it all back up and they realize I'm not okay. Like, what would your encouragement be to someone who's in that place of realizing something's up? Yeah. So my first statement to that individual would be, your feelings are valid. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is we have an image of how we think we should be. And oftentimes we don't reach that image. Mm -hmm. We keep thinking that we're failures and things of the nature. And so one of the images for myself is like, I really struggled with Superman complex a lot back in the day. Mm -hmm. And so one thing about Superman is he has no weaknesses. He got one, but who, you know, (laughs) I really ain't got no weakness. It's an avoidable one. (laughs) Right. And, you know, one of the things that I would let people know is like, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to hurt. And what you're feeling is actually valid. If this situation happened and this is how you're feeling from it. So my, my whole thing is I would validate someone's feelings at first. Second, I would encourage those individuals to process it somehow. I just recently had, you know, this actually, who knew that this would help? I had an instance at work probably about a month ago. You know, I keep having instances at work. You start to think the real problem might be me. But but, uh, I had an instance at work and I was trying to process it. And one of the things was I wrote down all my thoughts and how I felt. I just wrote them down and put them in my notebook. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. A couple of days went by. My feelings weren't as strong as what they were because I had 
gotten what I was feeling out mm. somehow, some way. And I, once again, I had processed this with my wife. I processed this with some friends. Yeah. But I felt like there was some more that I needed to get out. And so one day while I was at work, when I was feeling the feelings that I was feeling, I just wrote them out. And afterwards, it brought me some peace. Mm. Uh, yeah, it really did bring me some peace. So that that I would say is, hey, your feelings are valid. If you have good counsel around you, please share with them how you feel. If you don't have people around you that you feel like you can't express yourself as much as you would like to, that's a problem in itself right there. That And that's outside of this whole emotional, mental health uh, counseling type of thing. You need to address that anyway. Mm-hmm. Get that good counsel around you. Journal out how you feel. It took me, what, two paragraphs, maybe six sentences each paragraph in order to get out how I felt. And then if it's still plaguing you and you're still suffering from the trauma, seek professional help. One of the things that I heard, I'm not sure if you heard this, but Chris Rock does about eight hours of counseling. Like he, at one point he was like, he does like eight hours of counseling, like every other couple of days. Now that's, first of all, that's dumb expensive. Chris <laughs> Rock got, the, <laughs> yeah. but he got the money to do it. Mm-hmm. But Chris Rock was doing like multiple hours of counseling a week. And they were like, Rock, why are you doing counseling like this? He was like, well, look, if I was a professional bodybuilder and I was in the gym five out of seven days of the week and I was continuously working out, you would never say anything to me about it because I'm working out my muscles Ah. here. I'm trying to work out my mind and trying to exercise my mind, get some clarity and things of that nature. And now you want to call me crazy. So why is it that when we work on the body, it's like this person is getting in shape. But when I go to work out my mind and try to seek help for that, I'm crazy. Yeah. To be quite honest with you, I think it's kind of absurd to put somebody in a box like that to say, hey, I go talk with somebody on a regular for X amount of time so I can work through thoughts and things of that nature. I think it's absurd to say that that person is crazy. So, yeah. Well, and what that hits at is we have this assumption in our mind, and we don't overtly say it, but we definitely think it that we're either fixed or we're broken and we want to be fixed. And I mean, we've been Mm -hmm. tapping into this, but even like I thought about it when you were saying that if someone was expressing this, we would want to say it is okay to be vulnerable. But really what you're saying is deeper than that. Mm. Because what you're saying is not just, oh, it's fine. It's okay. You're saying, no, actually you are possibly in a healthier place than you realize. Yeah. Right. Like, because if you weren't being vulnerable, if you were putting on a strong front, mm-hmm. if you were acting like everything's okay, or had convinced yourself that everything's okay, mm-hmm. then you're not actually acknowledging the reality that we all are imperfect. Yeah. And at some point in some way, we're going to hit these moments. Mm-hmm. But as long as we keep convincing ourselves that our default is to be good and functioning perfectly, and then sometimes we'll mess up, but it's okay. Like, we're going to do ourselves a disservice when we hit those really hard, unexpected moments. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people were caught off guard a year and a half ago when things hit that nobody saw coming mm-hmm. and hit in such a way and for such a long period of time that people weren't ready for it. And a lot of people had to really come to terms with this reality that maybe I'm not okay, or yeah. maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not self-sufficient. So yeah, I think that's one thing that resonated with what you're saying. There's two other things you said that I wanted to hit on. One, another big reason that people don't want to do counseling aside from the stigma is the cost. Yeah. And what I would say to people is it is possible 
that there are options available. So mm-hmm. some places of employment have that provided within their health packages. Some insurances package, yeah. will cover that. I know mine does. And so there are those options. There are also entities all over the country, all over the world that will provide affordable options. They have a tiered mm-hmm. plan. So I don't know about anywhere else, but I know the Center for Christian Counseling in Richmond does that. They look at what income are you bring in? Let's do a percentage of that that works for you. Like they'll work with people. And then at the very end of it, if all of that strikes out, you still got God who has access to all the money. So you could say, Hey God, I heard T. Roy. And he was saying that this could be an act of worship and I'm, I'm willing to step towards this, but I don't have the money for it. So if this is something that you are inviting me to, I'm going to need you to help cover the bill. And God very well could do that in some way, shape or form. Right. So we always got that prayer option of like mm-hmm. being what God wants to bring to the table. But the other thing I wanted to say is like, I want to affirm what you said about the journaling, because I experienced that too. So my work situation, it was a pretty traumatic three years. And again, a lot of what you said, I'm just not in my head. I'm, I'm feeling in my <laughs> mind because like everything you said is 100% legitimate. <laughs> and <laughs> I got out of that situation and then there was a point where I just felt it all coming out. And I'm like, I thought I had forgiven. I thought I was free. I thought I had come to terms. Like I thought God had given me peace and freedom. And I, I, I thought all these things. So why am I feeling so angry and so hurt and so triggered right now? And what I felt like God was saying to do is, why don't you write about it? Why don't you just write it down? Write down what you experienced. So I did. And I went off of memory. I still had access to emails. Mm -hmm. I had access to texts. And I have a close friend who had walked with me through a lot of hard things. Mm -hmm. And I was able to go back to old texts and messages and piece together this narrative. It wasn't a strategic thing as much as it was as I remembered something, I would try to find it. And I just kind of wrote as I wrote. And I finished it. Mm. And I kid you not, 25 pages, 25 pages. Now I'm a writer. So there was probably some like creating the environment. So it wasn't like bullet points, but man, it, but I'll tell you what, I, I felt the same thing as you felt because there's something about the process of getting it out of your head. Yeah. And if it's not getting yeah. to a counselor or to a person and it's just to a piece of paper, there's still something that is happening in that act. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a releasing. I'm taking the council table and we're like, hold on, hold on, let's just package this up and put it out. And and I didn't have any plans for it. I still don't have plans for it today. It still exists. But I will say one thing that was unexpectedly healthy later on. Mm. is after I wrote it, I couldn't touch that thing. Like there was the, the, what you you mean? Like I, there was a healing that came in the process, but I didn't want to reread it. Cause if I read it, if I started reading it, it was too hard, man, to to Mm. go back into it at that level. But there came a point a year, two years, I don't know, later where I felt a piece about reading it and I read through it and being that far outside of the situation Mm-hmm. knowing what I know, learning what I've learned, not just about what I experienced, but about who I am and who God is. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I was coming with an objective pair of eyes mm-hmm. that I didn't necessarily have before. And there is so much that 
like I am prone to diminish things. Yes. I'm prone to question myself, but I'm prone to diminish myself for the sake of others. Yeah. And some of the trauma came from that. Some of it came from when I started to try to stand for myself and I was slapped down. That was traumatic too. But yeah, I really did question my experience. And when I read through it, I was able to say, oh, I wasn't crazy. Like this was legitimately messed up. And I'm grateful that I have some objective information here, like stuff from emails, stuff like direct quotes, because now I know it's not just me like venting. Like there's actually some legitimately messed up stuff that went on. And I can give myself some grace for feeling so broken and so hopeless and so lost. And also give God a lot of praise for being with me in that. But that process, it became like an Ebenezer. And it wasn't the good kind of Ebenezer that we like, like God did this amazing thing and let's create this memorial to celebrate it. But it was also still that Mm -hmm. because God did do an amazing thing. It was just a very hard journey. But now that exists to remind me of not just what happened, but the fact that God was still God in the midst of that and what God did from that point, the healing that he brought the freedom that he brought. And so, man, everything you're saying is I'm tracking with, I'm <laughs> resonating with. And hey, Paul, I just want to let you know, you're not crazy, man. <laughs> you're not crazy either. I appreciate that. And you you don't know that right there in itself is such a powerful statement. Yeah. yeah. And let's be real. Like, I mean, if we really want to be honest, that I was about to crack a joke and say, but also we kind of are crazy because we believe in an invisible God. <laughs> then I thought, well, here's the thing. Like what even is crazy? Cause let's be honest. Crazy is based on whatever the cultural norms are, whatever the cultural mm. expectations are. Mm-hmm. Any moment that we think we are crazy, it's because it's being defined by whatever our expectations are and the world's expectations are and the perceived world's expectations are. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. a, a, an unfair identifier that we use a lot mm-hmm. and we place on ourselves a lot and we place on others. They thought John the Baptist was crazy. And that dude was the yeah. most sane person at that time, aside from Jesus, right? Like, mm-hmm. but people thought he was crazy, you know, they, and, and this is really what it all comes down to. What we're really talking about is how do we take all this mess, all of our experiences, all of our understanding of ourselves, all of other people's understandings of us, and put that all in front of God and say, but I want to seek you. Who do you say that I am? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you say about the situation? And then, because sometimes we're willing to do that, but then we don't like how he responds and then mm-hmm. be willing to like concede to his opinion. Yeah. Cause I actually, to be honest with you, when I was going through what I was going through, it was much easier to drown in my sorrow than to actually ask the Lord to pull me out of it. Mm. Um, Because to actually be pulled out of my sorrow meant that there was going to have to be some, um, some physical like work or some mental like work to be done. And to actually drown in it was easier because it didn't involve me having to do anything extra other than just 
feeling what I was feeling and continuously like running the whole scenario through my brain every single time. And it's, and it's like, I'm reliving this every single day. But here's the thing, if I'm reliving something in the past every single day, then I'm not living in the presence and I'm no good for the future. Mm. So it was one of those things that's like, I, I really just want to break free from this so I can have freedom to live my life to the fullest. But I can't do this if I'm constantly like I'm Paul and you probably felt like this too. Like I would be in the shower thinking about it. (laughs) I'd wake up in the morning, brush my teeth, Uh, think about it. The drive to work. Think about it. Only times I wouldn't think about is like I'm playing basketball or playing video games or something like that. But even in between each game of playing video games, I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, he really disrespected me at work. Like I'm always thinking about it Mm -hmm. and it was hard to move forward. And so I I wanted to be free. Man, one of the things that we read in the Gospels, one of the biggest things is we see about the Good Samaritan. You know what I'm saying? Like he came along the way. He helped somebody who wasn't like him. But even though they weren't of the same culture, they didn't have the same teaching, the same background or anything like that. They weren't even of the same faith. An individual of a different faith, of different background helped another individual. And oftentimes we look at the Good Samaritan parable as the Lord telling us to be the Good Samaritan. But there are a lot of times we're not in the position of the Samaritan. We're in the position of the Jew who is hurt and left for dead. And so we need someone who may not have the same upbringing and teaching of us, a counselor, to be able to come in and help us from the ditch that we're stuck in. And so for somebody who say that, you know, counseling isn't Christian, there's actual scripture, the, the actual support that someone who may not have your same ideology my counselor was Christian though, but I believe that a non-Christian counselor could probably do the same, could help me get out of the rut of the ditch of the middle of the road that I was and set me along my way so I can live my life. Yeah. There's a verse that when you're talking, I was like, hey, this is, this is the verse. So I was going to just do the last part of it. So it's second Corinthians 10, five. And the part that I was just sure. going to snatch out of that, you know, the, the 10, five B was we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I thought about it when you were talking about the ruminating, because I, oh man, it can get bad. What better example of how little we can actually trust ourselves if our own minds can betray us in that way? Like I had sleepless nights where I could not stop the ruminating thoughts that they just kept Mm -hmm. going, replaying and replaying and replaying and then forecasting and forecasting and forecasting. Mm -hmm. and, And so that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, I remember there was one particularly hard experience that happened. It was incredibly unjust. Mm-hmm. And it happened right before I was supposed to go on vacation. Oh, the worst. And they knew how much I needed that break. And mm-hmm. they did something right before that, like, man, just was about to ruin my vacation. And I could not stop my thoughts. Now, I would not have been able to stop my thoughts my own, but Prior to that, God had started planting some seeds. There's the song that I use in my podcast is by Urban Doxology. And another song that mm-hmm. they made is called Fights for Me. For my God, he fights for me. And he is strong when I am weak. I don't have to move my soul. I don't worry about a thing. For my God, he 
I kid you not, that song kept coming up at incredibly timely moments over and over and over and over to the point where I realized what God was trying to say is, Paul, you keep fighting for yourself. Even if it's just in your mind, you keep having these battles in your mind and you are not letting me fight for you. Mm. And I need you to let me fight for you. So finally, I caught the hint. This bad experience happened. I go on vacation and I am not enjoying a single moment of it because I cannot stop the thoughts. Yeah. But what I do is I'm like, I don't know how to take these thoughts captive, but you said you would fight for me. So I would just repeat those words. God fight for me. God fight for me. God fight for me until the thoughts stopped. Yeah. Now I would want to say that then they didn't come back the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. They kept coming back, but they started to lose power. Mm. Every time the thoughts would come up, fight for me. I wouldn't play the stories. I wouldn't argue. I just fight for me, fight for me, fight for me. So there's this act of taking thoughts captive. But like I said, I wanted to just snatch part B out of that verse. But I think the whole thing is relevant to what you were just saying. Because mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yes. And here's what I love, because I hadn't thought about this before just now when I pulled up the verse. Every other time I hear that verse, it's talking about non-believers or atheists or this, that, and the other. Yeah. And they're the ones setting themselves up. They're arguing and they're, they're the enemy. But we just spent an entire conversation talking about the arguments that go on in our mind. You know, every Mm -hmm. pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, like God says, I love you. And in our mind, we're saying I'm alone. Mm. I'm crazy, right? Like we have all these lies putting Mm -hmm. themselves up against what God is whispering to us so gently. Mm. And he is inviting us to take every thought captive. But in his wisdom, he knows that sometimes we can't do it in and of ourselves. And sometimes that objective voice is able to not say, well, maybe you're getting this wrong, Troy, or they're not saying, oh, yeah, let's go, Troy. I got you right. Maybe sometimes (laughs) this objective voice can come in and say, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I man, that that has to be a lot of weight to carry. Would you mind if I share some thoughts just from what I'm hearing you say and what it's not right? Like an objective voice can help to take those thoughts captive because they can hear you ruminating in the counseling room yeah. and, and bring it home and say, I notice you keep coming back to this one piece. Like, let's right. Like, so God can use counseling is what we're trying to say. Yeah. 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 God yeah, can yeah, use yeah. friends. God can use spouses, but God can use counseling. Going back to what you said before, there is a place for praying through it. If you got to work through some stigmas, there is a place for praying through it. If you're feeling like you're confident where you are and you may be, But also in the situation that you might not be having the willingness to take it to God could actually bring a healing you didn't know was there for you. Yeah, most definitely. As a matter of fact, I believe me going to counseling for my previous job helped me in my current job. As as I mentioned to you before, you know, I had an incident where I had to journal things out that happened at my job. One of the things that I think that by me healing from the previous one it didn't put the bag, like I didn't bring as much baggage. I did bring a little bit, but I didn't bring all the baggage that would have been brought to this situation that I currently have. Cause then it would have been like, oh, people are out to attack me. People are, you know, going to get me and and stuff like that. Just everywhere I go, people are going to come for me. Yeah. But in actuality, it was just like, you know what? You did this. And that's, 
that's because of your sin nature. And I'm not all right with it, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to let it get the best of me because I've seen where it's happened, where it's gotten the best of me before. And I worked through that and I've seen the flourishing and the benefit of me coming over that mountain. This is a molehill in comparison, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you already know we could keep on talking and talking and talking. <laughs> we might have to do that part three, but I want to close out with two prompts. So the first prompt is I would love for you to share about your podcast and let people know how they can hear more about Troy. Um, and then the, the second thing is if there's anything else in your heart or mind that you want to leave the people with before we close it out. Well, first of all, I got to say thank you so much, Paul, for even considering me being a part of this. I count it as an honor to be uh, to be considered to be a guest on your podcast. One of the things I would ask the listeners to do is to pray for our podcast. We have kind of been out of commission for like the past two or three months, mainly because we have been transitioning and moving from Virginia to North Carolina. And you can imagine like when you're moving boxes, the last thing you want to do is set up lights and cameras <laughs> and microphones to record. And so just pray that we get the wheels back going. Cause I've heard so many people say that they benefit from the podcast that we do. And the podcast that we do is called beauty and beard hashtag beauty and a N D beard. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, we're even on YouTube. We talk about our, our relationship, how we love one another, how we work through situations. And sometimes we even work through, as Paul mentioned, some of those situations live because we it's one of the first times we've actually expressed how we feel uh, uh, about certain things. And the reason why we do it is because we want people to know, well, we do, we have selfish reasons. My heart's desire was to let people know, hey, we're married, we love each other, but marriage itself takes work. And this is how we work through things. And then it's, we would love for our listeners to reflect back and say, how do I work through things? And how can I be better at working through the things that we're working through? Because my wife and I will listen to the podcast. We're like, did we just talk about that? Yeah, we just talked about that. We're not, we're, we're not there anymore. We're not, yeah, we're not, we're growing. And so, you know, for us, it's mile markers and our marriage to like say, hey, this is where we were in 2019. This is where we are, we're in 2020 and continue to grow in our, in our relationship. So Beauty and Beard podcast. Love to have more listeners. So come on over and listen to see what we got to talk about. Yeah. Any final thoughts, anything from your heart that you want to leave the people with? You know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell, tell you why. I really don't have anything else to give or say because I, I felt like this was, even in our conversation today, this was kind of therapeutic. Let me tell you this right now. Part of my flesh is just hoping that the individual that did what they did back in 2017, that they would hear me speak about it. That's my flesh, everybody. <laughs> However, I do know this. If they never know the hurt that they've caused me, what I do know is regardless of how they've hurt me, God's love, God's strength was a whole lot stronger than what they ever did. And so because I know God in a better way because of that situation, I don't want to say I thank them for making me feel bad. But uh, but I will say is if I never had the interaction with him, I'll never know the Lord in a new way. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. 
2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And it really struck me that it's very easy for us to think that those arguments and opinions are external things, when sometimes the most threatening ones are internal. Both thoughts that we allow, and thoughts that, as Peyton shared in a previous episode, barge themselves into our minds. And here's the thing. Sometimes we have the capacity within ourselves to take those thoughts captive. Sometimes we're able to take those thoughts captive with the support of our friends and family. But sometimes we might need something more. One of the core things that Troy wanted to share about counseling is to encourage people that he found it powerful and healing and that they may too, and that it's worth praying about. This was an interesting episode for me to record because full transparency I've had mixed experiences with counseling. I had some really, really good ones, like my experience with Sunodio Prayer Counseling. And you may remember that name from when Jesse Mejia shared in a previous episode. That was a powerful experience of God showing up during a counseling session. And I've had some really hard counseling sessions, sessions where what the counselor said was not actually honoring to me or my experience. Counselors aren't perfect, just like the rest of us. And counseling might not be what you need in this season of your life. So really, the message of this episode isn't go to counseling. The message of this episode is what it is in every episode. Seek God. Whatever your situation is, that verse about seeking God first is incredibly relevant. God knows the resources that he's placed around you. God knows the ways that he wants to heal you. And your opportunity is to prayerfully be open to what God may be inviting you to. I think the big thing I want to say, too, is that your story is worth being heard. And if right now there aren't many people that can hear your story or that can only hear it if you soften it up, I want you to have a pair of unbiased ears. I want that for you because your story matters and what you're experiencing is valid. And if you're not finding that support, if you're not finding those ears elsewhere, counseling could actually be incredibly healing for you. The simple act of somebody affirming your experience can be pretty powerful. So for those of you that feel alone in your struggle, I want you to be encouraged that you aren't actually alone. There is a God who loves you that is with you. And I understand that sometimes he might feel distant, but hopefully these stories that you've heard have revealed that Maybe he's not as distant as we assume. And I also want you to know you're not alone because there are many people who have experienced things that you're experiencing. You might have heard it, but there are moments within this conversation with Troy that both of us felt that resonating in our shared experiences. And there was a healing that came from that. And I also want you to know that you're not alone, even in the times when you are functionally alone, because God has equipped people to be able to fill that gap. He has equipped people with the minds and the skills to sit in a space of listening and validating what you've experienced. There are many counselors out there who God is using in powerful ways to bring tremendous healing. Your opportunity is just to pray, to seek first God and say, God, you know what I'm going through. You know the healing I'm longing for. If you are inviting me to consider counseling, give me the wisdom to know the next step. 
your story matters. And whoever God invites you to share it with, whether a friend or a counselor, know that the sharing of your story does something abundantly more than just sharing your experience. It's an opportunity for God to work. So share your story and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, Think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?